Hello, welcome back to the Sam Antics podcast. He's mate. Oh, I'm Sam. <laughs> he got a, got a book with his mug on it today. And no, I didn't. And that's just the way it is. Why have you been possessed? Bet in play now. <laughs> you got Ray Winston again, have you? <laughs> welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Yeah, episode 59, Sakura. We're one off 60. Oh, that's some good maths you have there, Matt um, could Do you want to elaborate on why your face is on a book? I will, Sakura. As we well know on this podcast, I am constantly referred to as Francis. Um, now, the actual Francis, Francis Bourgeois, mm-hmm. uh, he released a book, Sakura. Yeah. And I have it in front of me. Two seconds. It's not like it's in front of you. If you need two seconds to grab it, but well, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's actually on my bed, and I can't get up to get it. Uh, but it's called the Train Spotter's Notebook, and I've read fourteen pages so far, and it's excellent, Sakura. Do you approve of uh, of what he says in the book? So far, yes. He's talk about. He's spoken about lots of different things already. Um. I understand them, but obviously, if you read it, you probably wouldn't. Mm. Um, but you can. The, the problem is, is when you read the book, the entire time you're just reading it in his voice. Yeah. Coming up now is class three seven seven from Littlehampton to Southampton Central. See, it just happens. Mm. So, um, so, so what we're saying is, support Matt Dyer and uh, get the book. <laughs> Yes, do buy, ad. do buy the book, please. Uh, Segura. Yes. Episode 59, as, I, mm-hmm. uh, as I've already said. And, Alluded uh, to, I would in, say. Way, <laughs> indeed. And uh, how have you been in the last seven days? Well, it's not been seven days since we last recorded, Matt Dyer. When did we I thought record? about this uh, Thursday last oh, week. Oh, fucking hell. All right. How have you been since yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I've been good. I've had a nice uh, chilled out weekend, not doing anything, which is quite good. Um, can't remember if I said it on the podcast last week, but I went and watched um, my local town play football live in the flesh. I was thinking about going tonight, actually, Matt Dyer, whether it seems that we're going through a little bit of a storm in the UK, and I didn't fancy getting... Um, wetter than a nun on sunday so yes i didn't bother and also the podcast has to be recorded indeed it does indeed and i'm not here wednesday i'm not here thursday and i'm possibly not here friday i've not decided so if we didn't record it today you wouldn't have a podcast big social life Mm. that's just the way it is it's just the way it is Mm. um well the mad eye it's been a it's been a nice week it's been Work's been, you know, work, and mm. life's been, you know, life. Um, I don't feel like I will be uh, hanging next to the mistletoe this Christmas, which is a good feeling. So, yeah, I'm that my dad. Excited. I'm excited for the podcast. I'm excited to get to part three of the story. Are you excited about the rival, rival podcast that could be circulating the... Uh... The the streams that I told you about the other day. But I've realised something. Um, podcasts are a little bit like rats in London. You're never, you're never more than three feet away from one. So, yes, I support. I fully support the decision uh, to have said podcast that you're referring to floating around the uh, interwebs. Um, I think that the presenter of said podcast, the the host, if you will, uh, is a very good person and is going to be a very excellent host of the podcast. However, uh, the person helping him is a bit of a prick, to be honest. So we'll see how that goes. And yes, he did ask a question. And his question was, have I ever got you to eat a vegetable? And the answer is, no. 
not purposefully. What, what do you mean, not purposefully? Um, we've gone. Obviously, when you, so back in back in the day, back in the day, we used to go to uh, the old McDonald's on the old, you know, when we had our days with Lottie driving around. Yes. And we used to order cheeseburgers, and you used to order a cheeseburger. cheeseburger order a cheeseburger without any of the plain, pickle, yeah, plain cheeseburger, and sometimes yeah. it wouldn't be plain. Um, so I'd watch you scrape it off. Yeah. However, there were some days where I distinctly remember you taking a bite into it and going, oh, for fuck's sake, it's not plain. So, no, not purposefully. However, I have watched you accidentally eat vegetables. Did I uh, eat it or did I spit it out? Uh, you, you, I'm very confident you swallowed that diet because you didn't want to spit in Lottie. Which is very, very weird to say out loud. And we're going to move on. So, Matt Dyer, how have you been this week? Awful. Next question. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got oh. nothing. <laughs> no, I, I, um, so I helped, uh, helped my cousin with his, he did a charity stream um, on Sunday. Mm. Uh, they raised a hundred pounds, which is oh, very that's, good. That's good yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I helped him with one of the sections where we did, uh, much like we've done on this podcast, we did some spooky stories because it was a Halloween charity pod, uh, podcast. No, uh, <laughs> stream. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I read the, do you remember last Halloween when I did the, um, the short stories about the chair? Yeah. Um, what was the other one? Uh, the puppy in the basement. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I read them, oh, okay. uh, sort of recycled them, if you will. Um, I didn't do the uh, the scary child voice uh, this time, unfortunately. But um, yeah, stream went well, and uh, it makes me more excited for when we start streaming, Segura, which I do have a bit of an update for you on. Okay. Uh, you know, I bought a webcam. Mm. And you know, uh, Royal Mail lost it. I do know this as well, yeah. Royal Mail have found it. This is good. This is great news. Um, and actually, I tracked it earlier. And I seem to think that Royal Mail may have missorted it to another country. because Country? Uh, yes, country. Because when... When you say country, you don't mean like Scotland or Wales, do you? You mean like an actual overseas... Well, well I'm not sure, Sagrava, because... When I tracked it earlier, it said, uh, good news, your item will be out for delivery tomorrow, which I think is not a strike day, so I should be all right. Mm -hmm. um, and it said it was in Gatwick. So where, what plane has that come from? <laughs> Unless um, it got shipped to um, the Premier Inn near Gatwick, um, or Travel Lodge near Gatwick, for some reason how your brain works honestly um so other than that so the webcam's on its way i earlier on uh just before we started this episode i went on twitch and we've now got the um like the mod thing set up so like people can put like you know they could put little commands like for example i've set one up you put uh exclamation mark and then, so I put Insta, and then it comes up with an automated message yeah. that then gives you the Instagram link. Um, that's in place. Uh, mod thing is in place. So we 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 we're, we're pretty ready to go, Segura. So maybe we should at some point next week do a test stream to see what it's like. I think that'd be a great idea. Um, you know what this means, though. Go on. It does mean that we're going to have to not be doing other things while the other person's talking. <laughs> <laughs> In what? Hang on. What are you trying to say? The amount of times you're like, when I'm doing my story or something, you're on your phone. Um, yes. Yeah, this does happen. <laughs> or when one of us is talking, the other's taking a drink. Or... <laughs> Yes. Um, we've, yes. We. This is why we need to practice in a test stream, I think. Um, oh, what was the other thing I did? Uh, 
over the weekend I did those um, overlays that I sent yeah, you. you. Did, yeah, uh, you said they were very good, which is appreciated. Um, so exciting times for the Sound Antics podcast as we build our brand more. Yeah, and I'm still awful. Just so you know. Awful in the brand prep or awful in just generally my, in life? It generally in myself, I'm awful. It's one of those weeks. That's but enough about it. it is. Let's not get bogged down with who's shit and who isn't. So, Grubber. It is. Let's crack on with the rest of the podcast. Mm. And now it's time for the Hornet-loving, cheeseburger-eating, ivory-tickler Matt Dyer in a segment which is new. A segment which I cannot think of a title to name. But here he is nonetheless. The Chew Take It Away. Okay, that's not quite where I thought you were going to go with that, but... Here we go. Hello, everyone. And uh, this week, I'm going to come clean, okay? I forgot that I needed a section until literally two minutes before we started recording. Mm -hmm. Um, You could say I just plucked it out of my ass. Yes. Um, So here we go. I thought what we would do, Sagroba, is I would ask you a kind of hypothetical open question type thing. Like hypothetical scenario thing. Sure. Mm. I've no idea what that means, but yeah. Sure. A hypothetical scenario is like a. I mean, it says what it is, what it says on the tin, to be honest, but a scenario in which isn't real, it's just a completely fictitious potential scenario. Yes. Let's yes. go with that, Sigour. Cool. So I have. Prepared the question here for you. Okay. So, Grubber. Yes. What are your passions in life and how have they developed over the years? Have they changed from when you were younger? How did you see your life being in the future when you were younger against how it is now? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's almost like I prepared it. Yeah. Okay, so I would say... The most obvious passion is drugs and alcohol. Um, I'm joking. I thought, I'm I joking. You were going to say the Sam <laughs> Antics podcast, but you know we went very. Like you said from your life, from like when you were young to now. Um, no, so I would say music. Music is something that I think we both are incredibly, incredibly passionate about. Yeah. So when I was growing up, I always wanted to listen to like the, the quote-unquote cool like dancey beats mm-hmm. um and i didn't want anything on cd or cassette i hated it i always wanted it to be on um my phone or on later when i got an ipod um stuff like that i always wanted it to be away from like a stationary thing like something that i couldn't be mobile with um i always wanted to listen to dance music and the crap chart music of the day that kind of thing um and also i was heavily heavily into like the emo pop punk kind of thing as well but i couldn't tell anyone about that because it was considered uncool um which is ironic because now it's very cool and how it's developed my passion this is obviously i collect records and I collect records from multiple genres of music. I don't just go down a particular route. Um, I've got more rock records than I do any other, but I've got jazz records. I've got um, poppy records. I've got indie records. What's, um, a, pop- what's a poppy record? Sorry. Pop music. Oh, sorry. You made it. <laughs> okay, sorry. Pop, poppy, like, like pop. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 um, and I've also so I do also have like the um, like jazz 
of the new age jazz. I've got a bit of country and I've got obviously um I've got the sort of emo kind of vibe as well. Yeah. And I have them on record, which is a stationary player. You obviously can't move around with it. You can get record players which are portable, but they're shit. And yeah, I get compliments on my turntable. So um That's yeah. not a euphemism. I get anyway, yes, moving on. <laughs> so so yeah, and I think as I've matured and realized that I don't need to conform to what society wants you to conform to um just having that extra like walking down the street and listening to dance music one minute and then the next listening to someone screaming and next listening to calming jazz like for me that's just normal and it's something that i really really enjoy um so yeah but if i was if you said to me when i was a kid oh yeah you're gonna want to go and see Gregory Porter at the Royal Albert Hall next year. I'd first said, "Who the fuck's that?" And secondly, would have said, "I don't ever want to go to the Royal Albert Hall." But right now, that's what I want. So yeah, does that answer your question? I think so. Do you remember what your question was? Yes, it was. What are your passions in life, and how have they developed over the years? Have they changed from when you were younger? How did you see your life being in the future? when okay, you so were younger against how it is now. Okay, so the last part of that is slightly different to the first part. So the first part I've answered. The second part, I will say, I think you're going to feel this as well. I, I think you're going to agree with me. Okay, I was dirty for five seconds in the intro. You've been dirty for this whole segment, Matt Dyer. God. Are you on where my mind goes? I learned from the best. What can I say? Well, there is that. Um, but no, I think you're going to agree with what I say and you're going to feel it. So obviously, we are 27 years old. I know. Bloody ancient, aren't we? And we met when we were... Young? 12? 13, maybe? Yeah. At Park. And yeah. we... When we were obviously at that age, we would talk about what we wanted from the future, and it was always, you know, it wasn't just the dream jobs of like, are oh, we going to present uh, Top Gear or we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It was always a little bit more sort of grounded and about like family values, and we said, oh yeah, by the time we're this, we'd want to do this. So. I'd always, I'd always wanted to go to university and I always wanted to do business abroad and like be um, one of these people that just had it all sorted out, had it all figured out. Um, but we'd always said that we wanted families and stuff set up before we got into our 30s. Huh. <laughs> um, so for me, how that's developed is I've done business abroad. I went to uni, but the thing that we spoke most about, um, no, that's not happened, and it's not going to happen before I'm 30, that's for sure. Yes. So, I, how my like aspirations for the future have changed are, I'm now dead set and intent on buying somewhere to live, so a rent I want to buy. Um, I want to have a life established so that when the time is right, I can have someone add to that and not, um, because I always thought it would be, uh, I'll go in with someone to buy a place, but then I think that's just naive naivety of being younger. You think that's how it happens. You think that you fall in love, you buy a house, you have kids, you get the, you get the animals, you, Spend your Christmas. It's not very nice thing to call your kids. Get the animals. <laughs> I said you have kids, comma. You get the. I'm reading. There's a list. You, you get you... kids and then you get animals. Ah, oh, it didn't sound like that. <laughs> it sounded like you said, and you get kids and then you get the animals. 
<laughs> you get the animals dressed to go and see their grandparents. <laughs> but yeah, I always thought that was um I always thought that was like how it worked in the world. But and that's that's because society mm. says that's how it should be. Yeah. But actually I think society now, the the people that of our generation, we actually say to people, No, your values are old there. You, what you actually need is to be happy and comfortable with yourself so that when someone else comes along, you are happier and more comfortable with them around rather than relying on them and being sadder and the opposite when they're not there. Yeah. Um, so that's my big focus is just, it has been for a while, is just focusing on me, focusing on getting myself into a place that is good. Because at the end of the day, if if you want someone to come into your life and to spend your, the rest of your life with, you don't want them to their first impression of you to be oh, this is this is Sam. He is he's a depressive fuck. He's this. He's that. Um, when actually, what you want them to to see are the good sides. And I think what everyone wants when they first start to talk to date people. Um, so yeah, that's how big that shift has happened in the, what, 15 years? Or something like that, yeah. Indeed, yeah. Um, But I think the listeners would like to hear your hypothetical scenario from your perspective. I'm not sure they would. I think we're going to do this. Well, let's, let's throw the question out there. Would you like to hear, everybody... No. Ah, oh, so girl, they said no. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> that sounded like Hagrid <laughs> on speed or something. Go on. I don't even know what the question was. Uh, You've got it written down in front of you. <laughs> yeah. I made you read it off to me twice. What are your passions in life? So, Gordon, my passions in life are music, uh, but probably more the playing than listening. Yeah. Than the listening for you uh, compared to you. Yeah. Um, and a Formula One or, yeah. or mo- motorsport in general. Mm-hmm. Um, IndyCar. I do like IndyCar. I got you into it, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Last you did. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are my passions. How have they developed over the years, I hear you ask? Hmm. Well, music, let, let's start with music, for example. I, when I was younger, when music was actually good. Uh, <laughs> pop music, for example, um, was at the height of its escapades, shall we say, yeah. uh, in the sort of, you know, end of the 90s, beginning of the noughties. Uh, <laughs> naughty. Um, and so, yeah, I, I actually quite like, you know, pop music back then. Um, but then fast forward to sort of secondary school time or upper school. Mm. And my, I, I completely kind of changed in the sense that I wasn't listening to that kind of music anymore because the music that was coming out at the time was fucking awful. Yeah. Like, it's just noise. It's, it, basically, I think they have a criteria of... It, it's the same old things, not to sound smutty, but in most things in life now, sex sells. And yeah, so music videos, particularly if you're a female artist, it's basically, I mean, it's not porn, obviously, but it, it I mean, it, it's just, it's pretty full on, isn't it? It's kind of been that way, I would say. For, I remember watching um, Full Music, they did a chart show on like a Saturday. I remember watching it when I was 16 and it was just women in their underwear and being sold, their bodies being sold rather than the music. Mm. Um, now, can I just also clarify that I'm not saying that my music taste changed because of that. That's definitely yeah, not, not what I'm saying. I know. Um, but so, yeah, I kind of went through, I sort of first discovered, uh, so probably you'll know about this. I first discovered Josh Groban for example, Mm. and his style of voice, which is very, it's not operatic, 
I was going to say, Oprati, it's kind of in that ballpark, isn't it? How do you, let me Google this shit right now, said Gore, because I don't know how to describe. How do you describe? Because obviously, Rubens you music. have different aspects, sides to his music. Um, but the one thing it's not, it's not like stage showy. It's really raw. It's really, I would say, it is similar, closest to operatic classical. General worrying thing here is the first option when you type in how do you describe Josh Groban's? Do you know what the first option is? Hair. Mother. Mother? Mother. You leave who's Mrs. Groban alone. <laughs> who's his, who's his mum? I have no idea. So, so Groban, uh, the genre mm. that Josh Groban is listed as on Wikipedia, which, as we know, is the front of all knowledge in humanity. Yeah. Correct, yeah. Is easy listening, vocal, adult, com- contemporary, classical crossover, pop, rock, gospel, orchestral, gospel, rock, orchestral. soft rock. <laughs> that was a fucking mouthful. Um, so yeah, it's very, it's, it, it's, it's a contemporary kind of voice. Um, I think gospel and orchestral is a very good way to describe his voice. Yeah. I mean, I think I did this on, on an episode earlier in the, in the series, but to, to get to his kind of voice range, you have to sit up really straight and kind of like poke the bottom of your stomach in. Hmm. That's how you get to like, that's how, well, that's how a normal person would be able to reach those kind of notes. Yeah, but he does um, it so seamlessly. Oh, it's, his voice is incredible. I mean, I have to admit, it's a, he's a slight man crush of mine because he's, he, his voice is just incredible. Um, it's not bad on the eye either, matter He is a fine-looking man, Sakura. Let me tell you that for free. Um, So, yeah, so I found Josh Groban, but then at the same time, I hear you ask, I also discovered Evanescence, which is weird because you would think Evanescence I would discover in... 8,000s. Yeah. Bring back Um, to life, etc. Exactly. I mean, my immortal, like, my most favorite song ever that was the 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 our the version we all know now uh was released in 2003 but the actual song was written in 1999 i think Mm. that's mental i was four years old i think with okay so how would you describe amy lee's voice uh how do you For those of you that don't know, Amy Lee is the lead singer of Evanescence. And I think we're about to find out why Matt likes her so much. She's very easy on the eyes, Agora. That's not why I like her so much, though. Uh, Amy Lee's tone is smooth, warm, and distinctive. Same as Josh Groban's, I'd say. Indeed. She is a mezzo-soprano. I have no idea what that means. Uh, hang on. The mid-high range, I believe. I tell you, Wikipedia is a godsend. Um, she's got, I, I always say it's very... Okay, with, with music and artists in general, it's very, very... Uh, not very common that mm. when they sing live, their voice is as good as... A studio version because in the studio yeah. you can edit a voice obviously when it's or, live or a little bit of auto-tune there and exactly yeah. yeah when you sing live it's um yeah it's it, it can be edited uh, no sorry it can't be edited it's it's your raw voice um but when amy lee sings yeah it's just it, it, you wouldn't know that she's singing live and she's got such yeah. a distinctive voice and yeah, it's just some a... of her notes. Some of her high notes are so. Oh God! It, it it you you generally get if you hear her sing for the first time and she hits those notes, it you get hair on the back of the neck. 
the, the, only, the, the best way I can describe it is it's that high glass, thin glass kind of just finish to her notes. It's just incredible. And but the, the I think the reason why you like them both is because they both are they're both they both of these artists have that same just depth and do you know what's so I'm gonna voice I'm gonna say something I'm gonna go out on a limb here hmm. I would say she has got not just one of the best I think she has got the best female voice the world has ever seen in terms of her range that she can sing. Uh, I just Googled this shit, Sakura. She can sing a range of 3.6 octaves. So she can go from a low A yep. to a, or what's known as a, a low A2, and she can go all the way up to an E6. Yeah. I try to work this out on a piano. E6 is high. E6 is very high. Let me. I haven't got my iPad. I could have played it live on GarageBand. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, so, uh, what was the question? <laughs> you got the second part. So, how has it developed? How has it developed over years? Oh, okay. I mean, no, you covered that. You covered that. The second part of that question was the um, about how what your life would be, and then where how it is now. I thought I was going to be a train driver. Turns out my colour blindness <laughs> told me not. Um, so uh. then I thought I was going to be a train conductor. Then it turned out my colour blindness said no. Um, so Whoa, why can't you be a conductor? Because it's a health, it's a safety critical job, and to be to have a health uh, safety critical job, you have to have perfect colour vision because you it, you can still go on the track. As a conductor. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't realize that part. Um, uh, I was, I, I didn't really. When I was younger, I didn't really look to the future purely because I was kind of scared of everything anyway. Um, so I kind of just sort of lived really in in the moment. Mm. Um. Here's a, a question I could ask myself. Am I happy how my life has turned out so far? Let's go with that. Hmm. The answer is no. Why? Because it's very much what you said in your section. I thought, I'm now 27. I thought by now I would at least be in a long-term relationship, possibly a child, possibly thinking about marriage. I'm no idea those steps, Zagora. Yeah. Am I happy where I am in my career? I possibly could be higher up in the chain at, at the Polar Power HQ, for example. Um, but overall, I, I'm relatively happy there. Um, so, yeah. Mm. Um, with the whole dating app thing, I think we never, ever, ever could have predicted. Getting back together, we are never, ever. <laughs> Sorry. See my vocal Thank range. Thank you, Taylor Swift. My vocal range can't go three point six octaves. The question that you did pose me, and that we're gonna, I'm gonna pose back to you, is in your future by say thirty five. Where do you want to be? Forget any, forget all the confidence for, like in the future. Just. Where would you want to be? How would you want life to be? Uh, um, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Okay. The problem is I don't like looking to the future because I don't, you know, in my perfect ideal situational world, I will have a nice job in the railways. I will have a girlfriend slash wife. I will have a kid, Lando Lewis, Ayrton Lewis, Jensen, Michael Dyer. Um, or Landorino, if it's a girl, obviously. Um, but that's probably not going to happen. So, why not? 
you just said that you don't you don't know what's going to happen in the future by closing mm. off to certain outcomes you're not never going to achieve the outcomes that you didn't think were possible yes yes it's got very deep Segura. I, I didn't want this hypothesis to get very deep <laughs> yes but is it not is it not time to cross the bridge of banter through the forest of funnery yet? Let's let's go through a meander through the forest. Okay. Well let let's I tell you what, Sigur, we're gonna need uh we're gonna need a bit of music to get us there. So let's end this section and go to our next section. Tell you something, Segura. As we said in our previous section, mm. it's time to go through the forest funnery mm. and over the bridge of banter as we visit you, our good friend, Sam Cropper. That's me. Yeah. In our section, story time with Sam. I think it's the third part. It is. We are going to head back to Vanderley. Oh, for the third part of the Old Man Hired Me to Manage His Lifestyle Soul House. Now, do I? <clears throat> we have taken a week out of the scary doll house, which, yeah. as we know, is, uh, is scaring our listeners all over the world. I mean, it's scaring me when they start talking about blood. <laughs> I can't do it. Something I've I've not read on my diary because as as we do on this podcast we read as we read as we go. Mm. However, what I will say is I've got a uh, I've got a suspicion. It's not going to get easier for you. Oh no! Why would you say that you've read ahead, haven't you? I've not read ahead. Just have you picked going... out keywords? No, no, no. But if they're going to be going that um, gory in part two. Oh god what's the climax going to be like uh simultaneous i would uh i'd imagine <laughs> so cool. just crack all <laughs> uh, 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 <clears throat> out of the darkness light my life was not the same after leaving vanderley i'd wake up go to classes, forget to eat most meals, and then stuff myself with crap in the middle of the night. I had nightmares, fever dreams of poorly lit concrete hallways about Mrs. Claymore's flaming eyes. The skin on my palm and ankle would not stop itching. It felt fine at first, but after a couple of days, it was like my body started rejecting it, like it's a foreign object. I picked at the patches of silicon so much that even my roommate asked if I needed to borrow her eczema cream. I desperately wanted to do something, to learn more about Vanderly, to research the girls, to do anything productive, but I just felt so drained. I've never taken drugs, so the best I can do is compare the sensation to coming off a sugar rush. In the parlour room, Surrounded by all those beautiful dolls, I was so charged up, strong. I felt like I could do anything with that energy. Back in my dorm, I grew weak, frustrated. I found it hard to focus on my schoolwork, to answer the, even the most simplest of questions on my assignments. I was snappy and cranky with everyone, and worst of all, I had cravings. Literal, physical urges to get back to that house. To feel strong, powerful, un-fucking-touchable again. Ronnie came by a lot in those days. He wasn't allowed inside campus housing, probably on the register, so we <laughs> met at a nearby cafe. Does I actually say that? No. <laughs> of course not. So we met at a nearby cafe. 
we mostly just sat around in silence, having meals together. It wasn't unusual for us, neither one of us being all that into small talk. But the frequency of these meetings more than doubled from our usual pace. He brought up the touchy subject of Vanderly during our most recent lunch. Look, he st- he hesitated. <laughs> I've forgotten this voice. Oh no! Wiping his mouth with a napkin, although it was already clean. Look, I think we should talk about it. He looked so large sitting atop a trendy stool at the high counter. Bit mean. I could tell he wasn't exactly comfortable with the setting, meaning he only put up with it because I didn't have the spirits to drive to a cozy burger spot further away. Um, we should. I agreed, moving past the loops around my plate as my meal grew cold and even less appetizing. I knew the expression I would see if I looked up. Ronnie's kind, hazel eyes riddled with concern, his thick brown eyebrows firing like caterpillars sliding from leaf to leaf. So Ronnie's a daddy. I blame myself, he breathed out in a long sigh. I knew the dull shit didn't sound right when you called me. But I didn't want to try and control your life, you know? Sorry, I can't do this. I'm not uh, your guy, huh? your <laughs> man, or your dad, or anything, huh? <sighs> I looked up at him and smiled. We always made a weird duo, ever since the sandpit days. Ronnie was four years older, and That's statistically age. taller and larger than most kids in his age group. While I was always getting extra CPS checkups because I was so small and skinny, Ronnie never had a lot of muscle, but his size made it look like he did, whereas I always attracted elderly ladies with food to offer. Pun? She's got a type, is what she's saying. Oh, sorry, fair enough. <laughs> we probably looked a little like a bear and a pixie sat together at a table. Ronnie, you are my guy, I laughed. Not in that way, but in every other sense of the word. So, tell me, he said, softening a little, but not exactly reciprocating my smile. And I will, when I'm ready, I promised. I should have gone back to my room after lunch. Instead, I walked the other way, in the direction of the parking lot. I had classes that afternoon, and I didn't even care. I got behind the wheel, half-dazed, and entered the dreaded address into my map app. I would just do a drive-by, I assured myself. It was foolish to think I had even the slightest chance against the many unknown dangers at Vanderley. So, I promised myself that I wouldn't go inside. I thought the words over and over, reciting them like the last minute notes before an exam. It was a typical spring afternoon, a little sunny but cool. My breath slowed as I made the final turn, parking in the most distant spot that still held the house in view. My hands trembled at the wheel as I took in the familiar facade. The patches of dull skin on my hand and ankle started pulsating, reminding me of the dangers ahead. I ignored them. Now that I had the house in my sights, I felt an enormous pull to it. I wanted, needed. Yeah, I needed to go inside. What's going on? I moaned to my dashboard, slamming my hands on the wheel in frustration. This wasn't me. This wasn't normal. Why was I back here? So much for the packing the bag about how 
packing at least a little inkling of common sense. Was the house drawing me back somehow? Was it dragging me back to finish the job? I started the car back up. Resolving to get the hell out of there. Maybe leave town together if I could keep it myself safe. I started easing out of the parking spot when an unmarked black sedan pulled up in front of the Vanderly lawn. The windows were tinted black so I couldn't see inside the car. I waited, debated whether to switch my engine off or to keep it on in case I needed a quick getaway. A couple of minutes passed before the front door of the house opened and a man walked out. He wasn't exceptionally tall, but appeared athletic and wore a well-tailored dark suit. He looked, uh, from afar, he almost looked young. If I squinted, though, I could see the flakes of grey in his hair and his trimmed beard. Was this the husband, then? It was hard to believe he was in his 50s, but then again, money, money goes a long way to preserving youth. The man walked down the path in a brisk but poised manner, like he really had somewhere to be. His posture and confidence reminded me of Miss Claymore. A small coincidence, but something that supported my suspicions of them being husband and wife. It was a thing I noticed about a lot of couples in long-term relationships. After years together, they started picking up on each other's mannerisms, hand gestures, expressions. There is hope for Glenn yet, Matt. I can't say that! I was waiting for it. I was waiting for that. We can't mention Glenn every fucking podcast. <laughs> Glenn's got more of his life sorted out than we have. So if we're laughing at Glenn, we're laughing at ourselves. And if we're laughing at ourselves, we might as well just laugh at ourselves and not bring Glenn into it. Let's not get bogged down with who's got their life together and who hasn't. Let's. You're, you're a wizard, Samuel. I'm a. Oh, no, no, we're not doing it. We're going <laughs> to go back to the story. Okay. I sunk down in my seat as he approached the sedan. There were a lot of other cars parked in front of me, but I still felt slightly exposed and reasonably terrified at being in such a close proximity to someone who would finance the construction and maintenance of Vanderly House. The man didn't even look my way. He got into the back seat of Sedan and a few seconds later it drove off. The rest happened on autopilot. My hands turned off the engine and I opened my car door. My lower body turned and jumped out into the road. My legs moved me forward with the speed of an addict running to buy the next hit with a stolen trinket. It was stupid, dangerous, and all kinds of just fucked up. But before I knew it, I was face to face with the bronze bull man locker one more time. I hesitated, staring at the creature in dismay. I turned back to look at the world I was leaving behind, clean-cut lawns, garden gnomes, and koi ponds that teased the eye with the promise of white picket fairy tale endings. Sprinklers formed tiny rainbows on the grass, and I wondered how such a beautiful place could conceal so many nightmares. And as always, the door was open when I tried the handle. The entrance hall looked much the same, precisely serene, chillingly staged. I mulled over which way to go this time, trying to remember my walk through with Mrs. Claymore. She had shown me a lot of exquisitely furnished rooms, so many that they all just blend together after a while. But then I remembered the hidden door in the parlour room. That was probably the first place I needed to look. So I darted across the hall and up the staircase. 
it was quite different from how I left it. The dolls were gone, as was the dead body. Every armchair, rug, corner, and knocked-over knick-knack had been restored to their rightful place. I walked over to the bookshelf and started pulling novels out one by one until I finally got the book that slid open the concealed door, wanting to memorise it for future use. I took it from the shelf and studied the cover. It was an aged copy of some foreign book with thin yellowed pages containing pictures of demonic shit. There was a sticker on the inside of the cover that read, The Codex Geagis, a copy, in English. I replaced the book on the shelf turning my attention to the concealed walkspace where a familiar voice interrupted my train of thought. Where do you think you're going, Lou? I turned to see Mrs. Claymore standing mere feet away, appearing suddenly, as was her custom. She wore a long knitted dress in vibrant bottle green hues with a white lace trim. Her long hair was loose at this time, spilling over her front and shoulders in thick locks of dark grey. She looked younger, somehow, and and quite beautiful. Sorry. (laughs) I think he's quite beautiful. (laughs) Thank you, Richmond. Carry on. I I need to know what's happening with me. I said, my emotions staring at the sight of her. I, I, I needed to see you to, to learn the truth. Is that what you tell yourself? She asked, running her eyes over me. Her gaze was passive, disinterested. She walked over and sat down on one of the armchairs by the window, the same one Cynthia had occupied the last time I was here. I walked over and joined her in the nearest armchair. What, what do you mean? I asked. You tell yourself you're here because you want to learn the truth or to save the girls. But is that really true, Lou? Think about it. I considered before replying. I I feel something when I'm here. I feel a certain way. She didn't say anything. Only watched me work through my thoughts in silence. Where are we? I finally asked. Human folklore has called us a number of things. She paused, running her eyes over the room as she spoke. We are witches. Demons. Succubi. Take your pick. We are born from suffering and it follows us wherever we go. We start as victims but rise above. We thrive on the fringes of society. Where humans give in to their carnal instincts, we feed on the crushing and splitting of innocence, virtue. Her words hit me like a barrel to the gut. I didn't want to think of myself as a product of evil, but I couldn't deny her claims entirely. On the bad nights, when the house was abuzz with chaos, cousins fighting over each other, uncles and aunts, negligent and uncaring, thinking only of their next hit. Those were the nights I wrote my best essays for school. I found it easiest to study. I had true peace of mind in my solitude and disregard for it all. Had I really ceased being the victim? Had I somehow become the cause? We come from darkness, and we feed on darkness, she continued. Think of your life. I do not know you personally, but I venture to guess that you didn't have parents or grown-ups that care for you. You've witnessed and possibly experienced abuse firsthand, and a lot of it. Let there be no mistake that this is the source of your power, your strength. No, 
I shook my head, gripping the armrests. What about the all that light out of darkness shit you said when I was about to die at the hands of your hired help? Denial dripped off my voice, panicked and volatile. She was saying all the wrong things. I didn't want to hear this. It's true, Miss Claymore nodded, observing my emotional display with apparent distaste. A lot of us go searching for light, but darkness follows wherever we go. At some point, we all become to the crossroads and choose one or another. One promises power, longevity, and the other brings nothing but weakness and sacrifice. I made my choice years ago when I married a man who could build me this house. I chose power. Power? I spat back. You think torturing young women and turning them into playthings makes you powerful? That makes you a sick fuck is what it makes you. Oh, bloody hell, so good one. Calm down. Men like my husband have been around as long as time itself. His hobbies fuel my power. And yours too, Lou. She said this with a smile so cold it made me flinch. That is why you sought us out in the first place. That's why you came back here again. That you really shouldn't have done that. My husband and his colleagues have every intention to kill you after the stunt you pulled with one of our most valued employees. I was about to say something else to argue, to, I think, when a soft but firm voice interrupted us. Though, Ronnie appeared in the doorway, oh, fists clenched to his side. We need to get out of here. I was so shocked to see him that I just stared, trying to process the implications of my cousin not only following me into the house, but also hearing the conversation that had just taken place. His face was cold, don't like severe. I, I couldn't tell if he was angry, but there was more to it. There was a hint of fear in his eyes as he looked about the room. At Mrs. Claymore, the window, anywhere but me. That's a good idea, young man, Mrs. Claymore replied, rising from her seat, walking over to the window to look through a slight, slight parting in the drapes. Although I'm afraid you'll have to use the back exit. She added, gesturing to the hidden walk space in the wall. My husband has just come home. Somewhere outside, a car door slammed shut. Ronnie looked over his shoulder. A gesture I took to mean he was considering facing the man responsible for setting our little world so off balance. Ron. I choked out. Let's go this way. I, I, we don't want to run into that guy. He looked at me then, his gaze accusatory, like that of a parent dealing with an unruly child. My skin crawled at the idea of being caught by the owner of Vanderly. I had only seen him from a distance, but knew it was enough. He was a part of something bigger than the two of us could handle. Please, Ronnie, come with me. I ran over and grabbed his hand, pulling him along. Though silent, he relented, following me to the hidden space behind the wall. Inside was bare and a dusty corridor that ran both ways along the wall of the room. There was a lever to the, side, to the right of the entrance point and I pulled it, sliding the door closed behind us. A weak light bulb on the wall illuminated to the two ways we could go. We could head right towards the heart of the house, or we could go left and follow a pitch black staircase going down. Ronnie turned to the stairs without so much a moment's thought, and I followed. The light from the bulb grew weaker as we started making our way down the steps until, eventually, we left it behind us entirely. A dreadful, heavy blackness enveloped us threatening to choke out what little hope we had of escaping unscathed. I fumbled my way through it, running my hands down the filthy coarse walls in search of a switch or another lever. With every minute, 
we descended further and further into the suffocating darkness, desperately seeking for a hint of the promised light. Was that the end, Sigur? And that was the end of part three. Oh. Oh, dear, we are in trouble. I'm sorry, but why would you go back to somewhere that has tried to kill you? Well, there is this. This is completely on her. I have no sympathy for her. And poor Ronnie. Exactly. Ro, what you doing to me, huh? That voice. So we will find out what happens next time in, what is it, part four of six? Four of six, yeah, I guess good memory there, my love. I look forward to it. And that's almost all we've got time for this week. Well, Segura, it was uh, nearly a disaster. The trouble is I'm running out of songs on my phone now, um, <laughs> which is not ideal. But alas, I have found one. It is a classic. And is it I think a banger? I think it, it's, it's a definite banger, Segura. I think you're going to like it. Right, Are you ready? It. Let's get right into it. Got to try not to do it as a song and do a dramatic reading, but it's very difficult. Okay. It's fine. You can do this. Just a small town girl. Oh, living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train going anywhere. Just a city boy. Born and raised in South Detroit. He took the midnight train going anywhere and that is the first five lines of the journey classic don't stop believing when you um read those lyrics are you picturing journey glee. or glee glee yeah <laughs> that's the problem Corey Monteith Oh, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Half of them, so because well, this is true. Yeah, but they've all had like tragic, either tragic deaths or um, have had to choose death to avoid their name being completely tarnished. Yes, but anyway, let's. <laughs> if if next week is just too long to get your Sam antics fix, Sam Cropper. For a change, you're going to do this. Where can they get their info? Their fix? That's the one. All right. Well, here we go, people. You can head to Facebook, and it is the Sam Antics podcast. You can head to TikTok, which is at Sam Antics. You can head to Instagram with the same handle. That's at Sam Antics. You can be a dinosaur and send us an email with Sam Antics podcast at gmail.com. Or you can head over to Twitter, which is at Sama underscore podcast. Or you can head over to Twitch, which is the same handle. Is that everything? See, that really fucks me off, the fact that you can do that pretty much seamlessly. <laughs> and yet, I cannot. Well, I did miss things out, my die. For example, I missed out that you can join us on Discord and join the chat where we have incredible banter. We have questions asked to us that we answer live on the podcast. We also discuss just day-to-day -day life and get to know you guys, and you guys get to know us more. There's even a meme section now. There is a meme section, which I will be posting to more regularly. Um, and, of course, you can find us on Acast because we are Acast content creators. You were an accident. Should have been swallowed. So, <laughs> Jeez. so Grover, why you have to lower the tone every single podcast, man? Yeah, well, you have to instruct blind prostitutes. So, <laughs> all that's left to say is we'll chat to you next uh, week. Gina. If Sam hasn't been arrested or worse.